Hi, it's Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of the Holy Spirit You Channel podcast. Today I am reading out of 1 Corinthians 13. The subtitle is, or the heading of this um, passage of Scripture, is The Way of Love. The Way of Love. And I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbals, or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Now, then he goes. The writer goes into 1 Corinthians 13 for explaining what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. All things being that which flow from heaven above. Heavenly wisdom, not earthly. The wisdom from above, not the wisdom from beneath. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge... It too will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, a person, an adult human, I gave up childish ways, says the writer. So should we says Michelle. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I'm going to share with you for this uh, for today's meditation um, one other scripture that are that is foundational. All of the scriptures, particularly where not just the event-based scriptures. So when we look at the events and the activities of both the Old Covenant and the New, what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, when we look at the events and the activities, there are also always principles and promises of God woven throughout. It's not just about the event. It's what God is saying to us 
through the event or the activity. But there's explicit instructions given throughout Scripture, particularly for those that came in under the New Covenant. We have to understand that those instructions take into account every instruction that was given into in some form or fashion because Jesus fulfilled the law. So he is the fulfillment of the law. Now he is the one that is saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. So the law is speaking to us that the greatest of these, the greatest law is love. The greatest law is love. And since we don't understand that, then in 1 Corinthians, you know, we read it at weddings. We read it when it's convenient. But this scripture is really the basis for our repentance. There's something in there for everybody. The greatest of these is love. The greatest law is love. What are the greatest commandments? They challenged him, Jesus. They challenged Jesus the Christ. He said, the first is that I shall love the Lord thy God with love. The Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and strength. Love with all. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do this, you fulfill all the law and the prophets. The greatest law is love. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, it tells you what love is. And more importantly, it tells you what love is not. So if you see anything in here, that convicts you, as it should, then you need to repent. Uh, faith, we, we like to talk about show me your works because we like to be performance oriented. We think God is impressed by our works, but he's not. The greatest law is love. And if you are challenged in understanding what love is, if you exhibit any, even just one of the behaviors, then you're not in love. You're not walking in love, which means we are nothing. Christ says, apart from me, you are nothing. Why? Because God is love. The greatest law is love. Law does not condone wrongdoing. That doesn't mean you're looking outward. That means you're looking inward. We are all under this. I can't live it out for you. You can't live it out for me. This is why getting this is so important. Because we want to travel in groups. And yes, we should have people around us. Not necessarily always around us physically. But there is a great cloud of witnesses. So we should have witnesses of the faith around us in some capacity, right? Even if it's just someone you could pick up the phone and say, listen, I need to have a quick chat. I'm struggling with something. But you've got to be able to trust what they're coming back with because there are a lot of manipulators. God said, God said, the greatest of these is love. Jesus said, the greatest of these is love. What will it take for us to understand this? That the behaviors, this scripture that we like to read for weddings, 
is not four weddings. It's laying the foundation for what Christian behavior is supposed to be driven by. We, we cannot call ourselves believers, disciples, followers of Christ. I don't care what denomination. But if you say anything that has to do with Jesus Christ and you're exhibiting even one of the, these behaviors in thought, word, or deed, then you are nothing, just like I am nothing, until we repent and allow Christ to correct that. The greatest of these is love. If we are not truly demonstrating the love of God to other people, the greatest of these is love, then we are nothing. Um, the greatest of these is love. James 2. I'm still in... Um, the meditation of the greatest of these is love. And I'm going to continue to repeat that. The greatest of these, faith, hope, love. The greatest is love. Everyone is given a measure of faith. Faith gives us capacity for hope. But it comes back around to love because faith works by love. We go to, we like to quote, this is what, you know, I don't want to go too far off track because the meditation is about the greatest of these is love. But we like to quote scripture. We don't actually like to live it. Jesus is not going to test us on what we memorize. He's going to is already reading our mail, even now. And this is what I need you to get. It's happening now. Judgment is happening now. We just don't get the full impact of it because mercy is still present. Mercy right now is triumphing over judgment. But judgment is present because sin is present. We were all born into it. We were all born under it. Do not exclude yourself. In fact, the fact that you attempt to exclude yourself from anything that I just said indicates that you are not repentant. If the first thing in you is, no, that doesn't apply to me, then you've missed the whole point. This isn't about who is better than anybody. This is about who will be able to stand in that day. Judgment is already present. It may not be judgment day, but it is a day of judgment because judgment is present. Where sin is present, judgment has to be present. But God in his faithfulness, in his infinite wisdom and his faithfulness, he gave us mercy, which is new this morning. Every morning, morning by morning, new mercies I see. Thy changest not, thy compassions, they fail not. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the rest like me. I once was lost, and now, but, and now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Those are the things we need to be singing. The greatest of these is love. James 2, 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? Again, this is a 
gender reference in context here, but it is not a gender reference to the point of exclusion. It is a gender reference in context here when it was written, but it applies to all of us, so don't get caught up on this. This is not excluding anyone. If you say you believe in Jesus, this applies to you. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, take take a hint, please. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, it does not have works. It is dead. But someone will say, as they have and continue to, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe, but they tremble. Faith, let me go to James 2 and 26, English Standard Version. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Understand what is being said here. This is not, this is a scripture we have used to drive performance in the church, meaning you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. You have to be a church, you have to do these things. And I'm not talking about the gathering. I'm talking about this thing we call church that isn't really church in in most occasions, particularly if Christ is not being preached, particularly if there's no repentance. Repentance precedes miracles. Repentance precedes revival. The greatest of these is love. And I bring up the scripture because in 1 Corinthians 13, we just said the greatest of these is love, faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. In another place, it says that faith works by love. Faith works by love. The greatest of these is love. Faith works by love, meaning you have no faith. Your faith is worth nothing if you are not operating in the guidelines of love under 1 Corinthians 13. It doesn't matter what you do. If it is not driven by love, which we alone do not have the capacity for, it has to be Christ in us, the hope of glory, by the power of Holy Spirit, moving in us, moving through us, over into and through us to bring love. God is love. We are not love. But we are supposed to yield and submit so that he can bring love to us and through us. To us, love the Lord your God with all thy heart and soul and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We love because he first loved us. We like to brag about that. It's nothing to brag about. What he's saying is, you wouldn't have love if I hadn't first loved you. It's like everything else. If if I have told you to do it, it's because I have already given it. Christ will not be mocked. He knows. We have to understand and we have to get this straight. Love is it. And if we are not 
walking in love, there is no amount of faith, there is no amount of hope, there is no amount of works. Prophecy. Go back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13. There is no amount of anything that it is not driven by holy, pure, godly love. God is love. God is light. God is life. L cubed. All of your doing means nothing if it's not driven by love. Love of God first. And in that exchange, you will get the love you need. And then as a result of that, in that exchange between you and God, you giving your love to him through obedience. Obedience isn't always doing something. Sometimes obedience is doing nothing. Especially when you feel like doing something. Obedience is your willing to, willingness to submit to the leading of the Spirit, to be filled by the Spirit. Obedience is you walking in love when you don't even know what it means, but he's told us. Obedience is you being willing to put down your high-mindedness, your sinful things, your ugliness. Obedience is being willing to go before God and saying, I missed it, I don't get it, but God, I need you. I desire you. The greatest of these is love. They tested him. You're being tested. What is the greatest in your life? If it's not love, it means nothing to God. What are we doing? What are we not doing? We run around talking about transitioning out of here and going to heaven. Can I tell you something? You cannot not operate in love here and think that by virtue of the transition out, you automatically get love and get get into heaven. Why do you think we're here? It is to demonstrate the love of God to all the other sinners, those saved by grace, those not yet saved by grace. We are all sinners. We all need to repent. The greatest of these, of all of the laws, of all of the spiritual forces, of all of the things that I've told you, the greatest is love. Love drives everything else, or it should. And if it's not driven by love, it's not God. Faith without works doesn't mean how many times you can do something that looks like God that looks like it's blessed, that looks like it's what you should do. God knows the difference. What he's saying is, since faith is work, since faith works by love, faith works. Since faith works by love, when you Operate in love. Your faith is going to produce the works of the kingdom by the Spirit of God. You cannot do it. I cannot do it. It is a Holy Spirit work. Why? God the Father in creation, God the Son, 
in manifestation and demonstration. God the Spirit in transformation. It is Christ in us that does it. If he is love or since he is love, he has to be in us operating by the Spirit in order for love to come out of us. I am talking about the holy, pure, ultimate kind of love that we all, unconditional love that we all say we want. We can say it, we want agape love. But what are you doing about it? Who have you agape today? Who are you agapeing in your thoughts? God exposes our hearts, what we believe, first. I know your thoughts, he says, because I know what you believe. I can look at how you behave. He says, you're looking at the outside. I'm looking at the inside. Let's get it straight. My ways are higher. I know how this works. This is basically what Jesus is saying. You're looking at all the wrong things. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. The greatest of these is for you to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and soul and strength. And, not or, not if, your neighbor as yourself. The presumed yourself, self is presumed, the love of self is presumed, not in the egotistical, I'm desperate kind of way. It's presumed because loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and strength will produce that kind of love in us. And then he says, your neighbor as yourself. Because when you have that kind of love, just like God gave, you will give. You will give to the cause of helping others get what they need, become who they're supposed to be. Get healing. Get them to Jesus, the real Jesus, not your version. The greatest of these, all of them, it doesn't matter what instruction he gives. First of all, if it's not by the Spirit, it's not. If it's not by Holy Spirit, it's not God, because Holy Spirit is Christ in us. Paul said, I pray that Christ be formed in you. Who's going to form him if not the Spirit? The essence of who we are, we don't even understand. We don't even speak in spiritual terms except to memorize them and to throw them around. The greatest of these is love. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you're planning to do. What matters is what you believe and then your thought process, what's going on in your spirit, what's going on in your soul. Because that's where love exists or that's where the genesis of love is. If you are not filled with the spirit, then love can't, the kind of love that God is talking about that produces the works of faith cannot come through you. Your performance is not going to be rated. This isn't a sports event. This is the real deal. Do not let your labor here be in vain. How is it in vain? Because you're running around thinking you're doing all of these grand things, quote-unquote, for God, quote-unquote, for the kingdom, and he's saying, no, you're doing that for you. You're doing that for the world because your heart is not in love. 
We have to love God and we have to be in love with him in the most holy and most appropriate ways. That is what repentance is all about. Repentance isn't about, oh, we're such bad people. It's not about false humility. It's also not about the arrogance of, oh, I'm better than the rest of you. It's not about any of that. It's about we were born into a sinful world, a sinful condition. We are the world. We were born into a sinful environment. Therefore, it requires repentance in order for mercy to take effect. Mercy is present anyway in order for grace to take effect. Mercy is present anyway. Otherwise, we couldn't even be born. No flesh shall glory in his presence. What do we think all of this means? Because we can't see it. That's what faith is about, believing that God is and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That means that we have to align our thought processes with what we say we believe. And when we do that, fail though we may, if we ask for Holy Spirit help leading and guiding us, help us to get straightened out our crooked places, what's going to happen is love will come up out of us and begin to produce the works of faith that Christ cannot deny. Why? Because it is not you, it is not me, it is him producing himself through us, to the world around us, to the people around us, so that they can say, I need healing. I need deliverance. I need food. I need clothing. I need shelter. How do I get my crooked places straight? That is called the winning of souls. And we do it because the greatest of these is love. Do not be guilty of being a thief and a robber in the kingdom. We think that only applies to those that don't believe. No, the first place it applies is to us because we are the ones that are in the position to take it for granted. Oh, I go to church and I've been in the faith X amount of years. Well, have you really? If faith is working by love, by love, have you been in faith? Have you really been in faith for as long as you think you have if you have not also first been in love with God the way he defines love? We cannot superimpose our definitions or try to impose any definition on God that he didn't give us first. He blows it out every time. And he may not be obvious about telling us when we're off or when we're not, but he's given us time. Second Peter 3, my slowness is not slowness the way you count slowness, but I'm giving you time. My slowness is mercy to you. What are you taking for granted in your life right now about God, about Jesus, about Holy Spirit, about any of it? Who are you in the light of Christ? I mean, really. Behind closed doors, nobody else in the room but you and Jesus. Because he's in the room. He's always in the room. The greatest of these is love. Please do not think that you are getting anything over on God. I am pleading with you to examine your own life. And measure it against Christ's, because that's the standard. Measure your life against God's. You can always find something to be somebody to be smaller than, and you can always find somebody to be bigger than, 
But guess what? That's not how Christ is measuring it. So when you do that, you're in trouble with him. You can always find somebody whose situation looks at least just a little bit worse than yours, and you can always find somebody whose situation looks a little bit better than yours. But that's not how Christ is measuring it. So when you do that, you're in trouble with him. The greatest of these is love. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. If you're not doing that, then you cannot claim Christ. If you are not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the kingdom is his. The kingdom is God. If you are not seeking him first and his righteousness, the greatest of these is love. Then you can't claim it. I'm not talking. I'm talking about what's in your heart. Faith works by love. Period. The greatest of these is love. Period. If you're not starting from that posture, which comes out of a repentant posture, which comes, which breeds humility, the last shall be first. If you humble yourself, you will be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. Those that fall on the rock may be broken, but those that, those that have the rock fall on them will be crushed. Humble yourself. Cast down your golden crown. Oh, we're kings and priests. Uh-huh, right. It's still all by love. Babes in the faith. Babes in, you don't put a baby on the throne. And even if you do that for optics, like they did in ages ago, even if you do that for optics, somebody else is going to be ruling. We come in to the faith and we think that because we grow physically, then that is correspondent to our spiritual stature. It is not. I need you, I implore you, I beg you, I plead with you. Not for me. I know what I need to do. I don't preach or teach anything that I haven't first done and continue to do. I check myself every day. I repent at least once a day. That is not to brag. I'm just telling you. I'm not telling you anything I don't already do and will continue to do. I am pleading with you because as a body, we don't get it. How can I tell? Because I'm having to say this message. You should be able to tell, too. All you have to do is look around. The world isn't just, no. It's because the church has abdicated or never understood her responsibility. Why? Because we can't have a church, a unified body, because there are too many people in the so-called church dividing the body. Therefore, it is incumbent upon those of us that truly love God or attempting to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and strength and that are attempting to humble ourselves and that are repenting and understanding that we are sinners saved by grace by his grace, that his mercy is new every morning, it is incumbent upon us to stand up and to bring love into the picture. The greatest of these is love. I don't care what else you do. I need you to get that because none of us know the day or the hour. And I don't say that as a scare tactic. That is the truth. Do you know? No, we don't know. But in that day is the day we have to give an account. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want any soul to be lost. That none should perish. I, I just don't want that. The, I, the thought of that breaks my heart. The thought of that breaks my heart. And since that is the case, then I know it is incumbent upon me to do what I'm supposed to do in my private time with Christ so that he can do with me what he needs to do in public. That which is done in secret will be revealed, whether it's good or bad. It's all coming out. The question is, what position will you be in? Will it be skeletons out of the closet? Or will it be we're going into the world to win souls? Here I am, Lord, send me. What we do in private dictates what he can do with us in public. And trust me, if you're doing things right now that aren't in love, the people that came in faith, the people that come to you in faith, God's going to reward them. But are you forfeiting your own soul in the process because you won't obey? Because you won't repent? These are very, part of our challenge is that we don't believe God. We don't believe any of this is real. We don't believe he's present right now. We say he is. God is always the most realist, most real person in a room to me. I don't care how many humans are in it. I am always aware of his presence. I don't always sense it the way I want to, but I'm always aware that he's there. He may hide himself, but he doesn't remove himself. I don't like it when he's hidden. Some days, like today, I feel like he may be hidden. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't give me, I still sense, I still know he's here. And that's how we have to behave. That's how we have to think. If God, we say, if God came to my house, no, he's at your house. He's in your kitchen. He's in your bedroom. He's in your bathroom. He's in all of the places you try to hide from him in. He got there first. The greatest of these is love. I need us individually so that we can collectively become the body that he intended for us to be. He has nowhere to lay his head right now. Where is he going to lay his head? Where's the body? You got parts everywhere. And yes, he is responsible. He, the Lord, by the power of Holy Spirit, is responsible for bringing it together. I do not doubt that for one minute, but we have to have a mind. The people were of one mind. You don't think they sat in the room for 120 days not being of one mind, do you? We're not waiting for the outpouring. It's been poured. Holy Spirit, he's been poured. Holy Spirit, the same spirit in Christ, has been poured. What are we doing? We don't get another shot at this. We are not here to condemn. We're not even here to... We're here to walk with people the same way we would want people to walk with us. I need Jesus to walk with me. Okay, are we walking with people? Or are we kicking them to the curb? Then running, driving the car back and forth over them. What are we doing? The greatest of these is love. Don't tell me about your faith (laughs) if you don't have the works of faith. And you don't define the works of faith. I don't define the works of faith. They are defined in the scriptures. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? 
We need to be the body we are called to be. Those that do not walk in love have no part in Christ. And we can't walk in love without Christ. That means we have to be filled with the Spirit. Save your disputations about the evidence. Save it. What you have to do is be willing to receive the infilling and let God do the rest. Stop wrangling about with words. Stop tripping yourself up, deceiving yourself, deceiving other people, tripping them up. Suffer not the little children to come to him. Our buildings that we call churches that aren't really churches, our buildings that we call churches should be overflowing with people that want to meet Jesus. But no, we got guards at the gate trying to keep them out. And I mean that literally and spiritually. We don't get another shot at it. You don't get another shot. I don't get another shot. So we better read the Bible like it's the truth, particularly the New Covenant. The places, all of the places, not just the events, not just the thing that happened. Oh, they, oh, they. No, you. The Bible was written to you. The Bible was written to me. Find those instructions. Go back and read what Jesus said to the masses because that is what applies individually. He might have been speaking to them collectively, just like he speaks to us collectively on occasion. But there is no collective without the individual. Out of everybody he taught, there were 120 left in the room. Does that tell you something? We have to get this. We want to hear, well done, not, well, I didn't know you. Not only that, we should be here loving in the most holy, appropriate way by the Spirit of the living God, in the name of Jesus, people into the kingdom, winning souls, not killing them, not driving them away that none should perish. That is our mission. I have meat, Jesus said, that you do not know of. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. The greatest of these, that means of anything that you can talk about, think about, make up, lie about, the greatest of all these things that I have told you, the greatest of all of your laws is the law of love. That's the greatest. That's the greatest. First Corinthians 13. Says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I am a noisy gong, or, I think the King James says, and a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So this means that I can speak in tongues. You might be able to speak in tongues. You might be able to prophesy. You might be able to understand all mysteries and have all knowledge. You might even be able to move mountains with your faith. It's all rendered nothing before God without love. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, living sacrifice, you're not talking about actual sacrifice, living sacrifice, spiritual, living sacrifice, oxymoron, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth, not a truth, not their truth, not your truth, the truth. Truth is absolute. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke or spake in the King James like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, a woman, an adult person, I gave up childish ways, or we should have. For now we see dimly, we see in a mirror dimly. For now we see Christ in a mirror dimly. But then, in that day, we will see him face to face. Now I and you know in part. We know him in part. But then we shall know him fully, even as we have been fully known by him. So now faith, hope, and love, these abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. My name is Michelle. We need to repent. I love and appreciate you. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.